all God's people said, amen. Thank you, God. Father, we just thank you that in you we are free as we've sung. He who is free is free indeed. And God, I pray that as we explore this passage today, when you speak to us from your word, that the truth will set us free. God, we know we're free uh, from the punishment of sin. You took that on the cross, Lord Jesus, but we, God, we can get bound up into the things of this world. Help set, how to set us free to be thankful, grateful, giving people. And we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter, not Acts, we were in Acts last week. How about Philippians? Philippians chapter 4. What I meant to say is that we are going to pick up in Acts in January. You're going to return to our study there. It's going to be an exciting time. But today I want to talk about Thanksgiving and um, then we have a Christmas series in December, and it's going to be a fun time for all of us as we explore God's Word around Christmas. Over the last few Sunday nights in the fall, we've been studying out of the book of Philippians, and we came to the very final passage. And I was reading and preparing to preach it on Sunday nights. I realized this is what we need to hear on a Sunday morning, and it expresses my heart to you. Uh, and, and I know you're incredibly impressed with the originality of my sermon title. I mean, I thought long and hard about this, Thanksgiving. But as I look at that word, that word just says so much. Uh, people who are thankful give thanks. People who are thankful give. When people give to you, you're thankful. This idea of thanks and giving just go together. And I wanted to be thankful for the Lord Jesus this morning. And so we've taken this table and it's put our minds in that frame of reference, but I also want to take time, just like the Apostle Paul did, writing from prison to one of the churches he had planted, I just want to, as just a, a leader here, as a pastor here, I want to take a moment, and I think we need to do this, to thank you as my church. I'm thankful for, to be your pastor. I'm thankful to have you as a church family. But I'm, I'm thankful to those of you who have participated in giving this year. And it's important to tell you thank you. Um, you didn't give to receive thanksgiving. But neither did the Philippians. But the Apostle Paul takes time to express thankfulness for their generosity. And I think that helped them create what the church at Philippi had. You know what the church at Philippi had that a lot of the other churches did? They had a legacy of generosity. They were known as a giving church. Even though they weren't known necessarily as a wealthy church. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the church in Philippi is one of the smaller churches. And yet it was just known as a, a church that uh, participated in the mission when other churches didn't or weren't able. And, and so this church at Philippi has left for us 2,000 years later a legacy. A legacy of generosity. And as I was thinking about this, that's really what I want to leave my children with. When I vacate planet earth i don't want people to go well i'm glad he's gone <laughs> all he's done is take 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 how about when you leave the earth how would you like to know man he left more for us he gave they lived a life of giving a generous life 
not just a life of consumption. We're a nation of consumers, aren't we? We just consume, 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 consume. But the Lord Jesus didn't consume. He came to give. And so I want to talk about that, and I want to thank you. Listen to what the apostle says. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And this whole book, he's just encouraging the people to have joy and to rejoice. They were getting down about him being in prison, down about some of the things that they were suffering, that he was suffering. He says, rejoice, rejoice even in my suffering. The gospel is going forward. Even in the prison, I'm reaching people in Caesar's household through the Praetorian Guard. I mean, all these things are good. And I want to rejoice with you in the final part of this letter before I say goodbye. And this may be the last time I ever talk to you. I'm just not sure. But I want you to know how thankful I am. That at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, chained up in prison, shipwrecked, stoned, floating on, on lumber in the Mediterranean Sea, snake bit, facing Judaizers and Gentiles alike who hated him and wanted to kill him. He says, in all of those circumstances, even when I'm hungry, I've learned something. I've learned how to be what? Content. Talk about a legacy of generosity. Paul gave and gave and gave and gave. Just gave. We have most of our New Testament written through the pen, the suffering pen of Paul. He left more than he took, didn't he? A legacy of generosity. And so he was a giver, writing to this giving church. And he says, I've, I've learned how to do this because I've learned the secret of contentment. Look at verse 12. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in, abound in any and every circumstances. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's the secret. A lot of you know this. Tim Tebow knows this. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel. When I left Macedonia. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. I have to thank you for that Paul says. Even in Thessalonica you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift. I wasn't even asking for it. I wasn't desperate for it. But you just chose to partner with me in the gospel. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In fact, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He says, listen, that giving, that legacy of generosity, all that, that heart is just as you give, it is somehow a fragrant aroma to God. Have you, how many of you read the five love languages? Right? One person. Okay, good. Uh, God's love language is giving, isn't it? I mean, you are speaking his love language when you give. And so he, he, he says it's a fragrant, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I want to look at this passage. And I want to think about um, 
our legacy as individuals and our legacy as a church? Are we generous? Are we giving? And so, what jumps out of this text for me, I want to leave with you this Sunday, and then next Sunday we'll talk about it a little bit more. Joyful generosity, the kind of generosity that leaves a lasting effect in your life, that leaves people just grateful to know you, that leaves a mark that maybe nobody even knows, but it plants seeds currently that help the kingdom spread and maybe even seeds that are planted by you for the future and that will keep on giving and giving and giving. We had one of our dear saints go home to be with the Lord uh, last year and, and, after, and she had, had made a part of her will to leave the kingdom of God. and live. She gave some to missions and she left a, a percentage of it to our church and, and with her gifts to our foundation, we were able to perch, purchase two almost new buses. And so every time I see those two buses roll out to pick up people and bring people to Jesus, I see that her last tithe keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and rolling and rolling and rolling. Y'all get it? Isn't that cool? She's up in heaven. She's not worried about it. She's rejoicing and enjoying Jesus, but she made a final legacy of generosity that keeps bringing people to hear the gospel and she didn't know we were going to buy buses with that she didn't care she just said I'm going to be generous as my last act praise God for that I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for that kind of generosity and the generosity that is partnering now where does this come from well it comes from a kingdom focused Concern. Look at verse 10 again. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern. Your concern for me. They were concerned for his health. They were concerned for his uh, provision. They were also concerned for his mission. They had a kingdom-focused concern that they had partnered with him long before he even went to prison. They wanted to be a part of of what God was up to on planet earth. And God gives you the incredible opportunity to do that. And they were generous towards that. In verse 14 he says, It was so kind of you to share my trouble. Verse 15, You partnered with me in giving and receiving only. Now I want to step back from this and I want to give you a report for which I am thankful this time last year, and maybe there are a good number of you who weren't here last year, you're new to our church, but last year we went, we did uh, something brand new at our church. We decided to do a two-year two budget, a two-year initiative called the Reach One Fund. And the idea of this was that we would, uh, uh, we would not designate our giving, but we would take all of our various offerings and all of the things that we're passionate about and we would line them up under one mission to reach our world for Christ. And we call it the reach offering. And so you may hear us talk about that at the end of the service. Sometimes I talk about our reach offering. You look in the bulletin, you see one number, that's our reach offering. 
And those include several things. Let me just tell you what they include. They include, uh, here's what we did. We encouraged people to, to take, to do some math. If they were giving, um, to take what they would normally give, their estimated giving for a year, and then double that. So that would be like your tithe. Maybe some of you have disciplined yourself to be a tither. And that's such a great blessing to you, uh, according to Scripture. And you just give out of that, you just give that tithe right up. That's what I do. Just a tenth of your income. And you've been doing that. And you, maybe some of you are stepping up towards that. And you're moving towards that. We're so grateful for that. And you just put that in there. And then maybe you give another offering a uh, couple of times a year towards international missions. Lottie Moon. Christmas offerings coming up. Uh, so I took that number and I added it on top of that. And then I give a little bit to, uh, uh, to the North American Mission Board. We normally do that in the spring. Well, took that, added that to that number. And then we've... We've done a, a, all of these buildings that you see have been through the sacrificial giving of this church over the last 18 years and even prior. Uh, but we have about $3 million of debt left. And that's, that's not a lot compared to what there was many years ago. And so we've been ticking that thing down. It's, I think it's almost under three now, uh, which is a praise. And uh, we want to pay that off. And, and you want to be a part of paying it off. And so you put some extra on there towards debt reduction. And then you make that up and you say, that's for two years. We're going to double that. That's my two-year commitment. So we did that to accomplish this mission, the REACH mission. And let me remind you what it, the, the REACH mission, the bottom layer of it, the big part of it is just our everyday mission. We call it uh, uh, our, um, uh, our ministry plan. And so we want to execute our ministry plan. We've been able to do that this year because of your giving. We want to expand our missions. We want to continue to support the mission groups and missionaries that we support. But we also wanted to put some funding in there when we have opportunity to perhaps join partners with a, another church and begin to revitalize a church or we find a place that's strategic for us that we can plant another venue by video or maybe another church uh, satellite like we have at Southwest. And we've been able to, Southwest has doubled in the last year and you have been supporting that through this. So we're trying to expand the mission. A third thing we know we must do is continue to eliminate the debt and so we're working on that and the fourth leg of this reach ladder the fourth leg is um, enhancing our facilities now here's the good news that's our mission let me tell you what happened this year so far in 11 months uh, well it, it added up to 8.5 million dollars let me start there that's our two-year reach goal well that is the combination of what you all pledged what we guesstimated Others who didn't pledge would give in their tithes and offerings. And, um, and we put that together and we prayerfully submitted to you an $8.5 million two-year budget. And here's what we've done so far in the first 11 months. We're at 98% in our giving. 98%. Well, you ought to praise the Lord for that. I don't do a lot of math, but I think that's almost 100%. That's close. And if you've been here, if you've been involved in church work for a long time, that's good. I'd love to be at 110%. But what's not counted into that 98% is what you gave last December in an upfront 
an upfront first fruits offering. You remember that offering we took? We encouraged you to give 10% of your pledge last December in a big upfront love offering. And that came up to around $600,000, That 98% doesn't include that. In fact, I, my third point here is we've not even touched that. It's been in reserve the whole time. We've not even touched that initial offering. In your weekly giving, you have given 98% of what we've needed so far in the first 11 uh, months of, 19, of, of 18, 2018. I praise the Lord for that. Thank you. Thank you for your giving. That's people fulfilling their pledges. That's other people. Maybe many of you knew who have just jumped in. You said, I'm, I'm a generous person and I'm committed to tithing or I'm committed to giving. And I'm moving up that generosity letter and it is making a difference. So the first fruits offering we have held. Why have we held that? Well, we, we don't know the future. Next week, you might decide that sermon was so bad, I'm going to another church. We're out of here. We're not giving. And we don't know. Every week is a faith offering for us. We have no guarantees, right? So we have held that in reserve. But here's what we could do. This is what's cool. If we could continue and bump it up a little and our weekly, your weekly giving can maintain and we can keep living within our weekly giving, we, will have, you know, we would have that upfront offering that we have in reserve we could apply that towards some desperately needed maintenance or even i'd love to apply it to our debt and begin to reach that goal of debt freedom by the end of 2020 and so we in the stewardship committee and i are working together to prayerfully pursue this and to see if we can do that so i encourage you to continue to give faithfully, step up that generosity letter because there are things that we need to do and could do if you continue that. But thank you, 98% plus an upfront, generous first fruits offering. The final thing that you need to know is we've taken in 98% and we've only spent 88%. Now, as a staff, your staff, they are being really good stewards. We are trying to be uh, very wise in expending uh, what God gives us here. And we have done that because we aren't sure. We don't just jump in there and spend 110%. And we, didn't, we didn't do that. And so I think we ought to praise the Lord that our spending is at 88%. Can we do that together? I am thankful to our staff and to others who have done that. So God has, through your generosity has put us in a position where we could attack the debt, attack some campus needs and things we weren't planning to be able to do. We did not think we would be able to do it. But there, it looks like we could, but it's dependent. It's dependent. We're not, we're just, we're not, not totally halfway through this two-year. It is dependent upon all of us continuing to be generous. If we will do that and step up that ladder of generosity, we can continue to passionately pursue the mission next year. We can continue some long-needed maintenance and improvements. You say, what maintenance? We replaced over $50,000 worth of air conditioners this year. We put on a $70,000 roof on the educational center. How many of you have gone up and seen the new, brand-new roof on the... None of us. I haven't even seen it. 
It's a rubber flat roof, nothing exciting. But when it leaks, it's really, really bad, right? We have to replace things like that. We were able to do this renovation project out there with just budget money, savings from some salaries and different things that we weren't fulfilling. And we were able to accomplish that uh, uh, for around $70,000, all of that gathering space and all of those things within our budget and accomplish those things. And it it has just been wonderful. We had to have new air conditioners and Praise Jesus for this. We are, we are in the process of getting a new Wi-Fi system so you can log in. Praise Jesus for that right now. I know you want to do that. Um, we get more folks who say, why can't, what, well, your Wi-Fi stinks. And I'm like, yes, it does. Yes, it, but it costs $30,000 to get something like that put together for a church this size. It just doesn't happen without your generosity. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. And there are other things that we need to do. So the reason I think that God puts these things into these letters, like the letter to Philippians, is to encourage us to do some really practical things. Ask and think. So I asked you to join the mission, to partner with me in the gospel. Many of you did. I'm asking that you continue to do that, and that those of you who have not jumped in with us, you jump into that REACH offering. We're not going to make a pledge this year, a new pledge for a one-year, folks, but you just do it in your heart. Jump in with us and help us, help us propel our mission forward this way. So I've asked, and I'm continuing to ask, but I'm also thanking you. Thank you for doing what you did. So this Philippian church, they had a kingdom-focused concern. The second thing that we see in the life of this church and in the life of the Apostle Paul is a secret. It's not a secret to us, but it's a secret the Apostle Paul had to learn in his life is that contentment can never be found in what you have. It can only be found in who you have. Listen to what he says. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. He says I've learned how to be brought low. And how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of being. uh, Facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. He says I've learned to be content. And the contentment is Christ strengthening me. Look at verse 13 again. It's important you know this is not just a tagline for Tebow. Right? That this is not something, and we take this verse out of context so much, and we use it in everything that we do. And, and it's a truth, so it's a true proverb. I can do everything. Who's str- but notice the context of this verse is within Paul saying, I know how to do poverty. Okay. It's through Christ strengthening me. I know how to not let my abundance and all those things that uh, being an American gives me, I know how to not to let that steal my heart and become an idol to me. It's through the indwelling, strengthening work of Christ. How many of you love infused water? Raise your hand. Identify yourself. Where did this start? I do not remember infused water as a child. I remember drinking out of a hose when I was a child. Praise Jesus. Sometimes it was warm. You had to let it run a while, right? been laying in the yard but now we take water and we soak fruit in it 
so that our water, we don't have to have that tasteless, icky water that sustains our world. We got to infuse so that every drip of water has a, a savoring taste. We're so spoiled, aren't we? That's okay. Infuse your water. I actually like it now. We got water of all. People carry around packets of stuff to dump in their water and stir it up so their water's not tasteless. Here's what I want you to think about. The stuff you have, the life you live, the house you get, the car you have, the mate you get, all these things are great, but they're tasteless ultimately without Jesus. They lose their taste. They lose their flavor. It is the Christ-infused life that brings contentment. Solomon learned that. He says, I've tried it all. So you, you folks in Gainesville, just read Ecclesiastes. Don't bother trying. I tried everything. All the philosophies, all the women, all the wine, all the songs, all the, all the wisdom, all the money. I tried it all. All is vanity. All ultimately is tasteless. Paul said, I got the secret, Solomon. Jesus. When he infuses your life, when he sits in the middle of your stuff, in the middle of your concerns, in the middle of your life, when he is in the midst of it, it brings flavor to that which the world finds no satisfaction in. And they're looking at you like, you're the, you ought to leave this church. That pastor just talked about giving money. And you're like, no, 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 I understand. I understand. And the world doesn't understand. They like generosity. And the world will give. People give. And they'll be generous and they'll give. But what they want is, is flavor in return. I need the flavor of that smiling child who just received a backpack. I want the flavor of knowing and having the knowledge that that museum now has a, a plaque with my name on it or that building on UF has a, a, a brick with my name on it and I can go and see my generosity. And Paul's like, no, nah, that's not going to bring contentment because there's going to be a guy over there that has more than a brick. In fact, his name is in brass letters on the whole building. Like, oh man, I can't give as much as him. He gets a lot more recognition than me. It is the Christ-infused life that frees and frees indeed us to leave a legacy of generosity that doesn't demand the name on the side of the building. And it says contentment that Paul describes. It's amazing how what you love and what your focus is, the kingdom focus and Christ infusing your life, it's amazing how that can energize you and make you generous. I mean, I've noticed this about my life. It's a strange physiological phenomenon with this body. I can go out and play basketball for a couple hours. Well, I used to could. Give me. I used to could go up and run up and down a court for hours. I could go out and run. I could go uh, walk through the woods for hours hunting Bambi with a shotgun, right? And uh, I could go 
I could go, I can walk for three or four hours hunting little white balls out on a golf course. After 10 minutes in a mall, I got to sit down. I don't know what it is. I have got to sit down. My physiologically window shopping brings me to my knees. I'm like, please. I'm one of the, I have been this way since my 20s. I'm one of the guys sitting there, people watching while my wife shops. The creepy guys, you know, they just kind of sit there looking around. I'm one of them. Why? Physiologically, I hate window shopping. I hate just walking around, not knowing what I'm buying, looking at clothes I can't afford. It is a painful physiological experience. I despise it. How many are you with me? Just give me a, yes, thank you. I'm not alone in this. Some of you physiologically can exist for hours shopping. Hours and hours and hours. You're just spending those. You'll look around and I'm looking at you in total amazement. This is the same person who couldn't stand me flipping channels for three minutes. Right? Wait, I'm getting personal. I'm sorry. Sarah, are you in here? (laughs) It's all about your focus, isn't it? It's all about that. What's infusing you? If it's, if it's shopping, if you love that, fine, that's great. If it's going out and you'd rather be in the woods hunting an animal, fine. It's just whatever your passion is, is going to be your legacy. And I can tell, I go into your house and there's Bambi's head right there and there's his dad's head right there. It's big old stuffed fish. I come in and I see where you've spent your money and spent your time. And I see you walk in, you're all blinged up, your hair, you're looking beautiful and all that. And I just know, that I, listen, there's nothing wrong with all those things. I'm just telling you, those things will leave you discontent. They're fine. You just have to ask yourself, what's my focus? That's going to be my legacy. You say, well, my focus is my family, my focus is my children. I'm going to get them... I'm going to leave them well. I'm going to get them well-fed, well-educated. All those things are great. But are you leaving them a legacy of generosity? Are you just leaving them as a bunch of consumers? You've got to think through these things. And the only way to think through them rightly is to fill your life with Christ. Know Christ. See Him you know, at the judgment seat, it's funny, it's interesting. He, at the judgment seat of, of the Jews there at the end of the tribulation period, he, he calls it the sheep and the goats. Remember that judgment? He said, on my left, the sheep, on my right, the goats, or the other way around, sheep, goats. Uh, you, don't, you just don't want to be a goat. You want to be a sheep. And they come forward. He says, all right, here's the thing. Here's how I knew your heart. When I was naked, you what? clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And when I needed something, you gave it to me. And so he looks at this, he says, you've left the legacy with your heart and that le- with your life, and that legacy is a demonstrate of your heart. Is it a legacy of generosity? The final thing it flows out of not just Christ-infused contentment. He's got to be in there. He's got to be strengthening you. 
on a regular basis. And a kingdom focus. It's also got to be a heaven-based confidence. And it's just summed up in this one verse. Let's jump ahead to verse 19, and I'll close. Listen to the confidence. And my government will supply all of my needs. Wait, did I miss a word? And my what? Mom and daddy. My job. My skills, my smarts. My God will supply every need of yours. According to whose riches? Heaven's riches. His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's what freed Paul indeed. He had a kingdom focus. He had a Christ-infused strength and contentment. But ultimately, he had a confidence. I love the story that uh, I, I read. I've never forgotten this one illustration that Charles Stanley used a long, long time ago. He's talking about one of, uh, there was an evangelist that was walking towards out in the old times, walking through the, uh, out in the Midwest, and there was this wide open fields, and he was going from home to home and farmhouse, and he, he, he saw this farmhouse off in the distance, and he saw a farmer uh, at his well, and he was just pumping, pumping, pumping. He saw that arm moving, and there was water flowing, and he saw it, and he was just, he kept walking towards it, and he was really impressed. He said, that guy just keeps going and going, and uh, that water's flowing and flowing and flowing, and finally he got close enough, and as soon as he got close enough, he realized that wasn't a farmer. That was just a, it was kind of a, a mechanical man painted to look like a farmer, and his arm was hinged, and the hand was uh, bolted to the handle of the pump. And the pump was going and the water was flowing. And so he went to the farmer and he asked, what's going on here? He says, well, see, sir, that's an artesian well. That well is pumping the man. He's not pumping the well. The well is pumping the man. Paul came to realize that in times of need and times of want, there was a bottomless supply in heaven. Heaven is the place, the only safe place to store your riches. And the way you store them is through generosity here. And it's the only true supply for everything you need. Work get degrees, do those businesses, go out all, do you have to do all those kind of things, but understand that all of your needs, what you truly need, is based in heaven, is in, in God's riches, in God's character, in God's goodness. I'm convinced, folks, those three things free you to become a person that's a giver and not just a taker. We all have to take. But none of us have to give. But thank you for giving. Can we pray together? Bow your heads if you would. I want to ask you three questions. We're going to sing a song, including our service in a moment. But worship really is only concluded when you look to the Lord 
and answer the questions that this passage of Scripture puts before us. And here's the first one. What is your greatest concern? What is your greatest concern? What's at the top of your list is going to determine your legacy? He wants us to do a lot of good things for people and for our children and our home. But ultimately, is the kingdom and Christ's will for your life your greatest concern? The mission that he's giving you. Second of all, where are you finding and seeking? Where are you seeking for your greatest contentment, your greatest satisfaction? If it's anything other than Christ, it's temporary. It won't last. In fact, the same thing over and over again gets harder and harder and harder and harder to bring you contentment. More and more stuff, more and more money doesn't lead to it. Where are you seeking your satisfaction? Maybe the invitation today for you is to just, as we sing, to drop those things and say, I, I'm tired of finding that these things lose their taste. They just are tasteless without Christ. And turn to a who, not a what. Turn to Jesus. And finally, what steps do you need to make in your own life to adjust your legacy? Begin now, young people. Begin now. Just to to be, to think about what you're giving in life and not just what you're going to get out of life. For those of you who are on the other end of the spectrum, you're towards the end. Think about how you might leave a legacy through your giving. Maybe there's something just incredible that you can do for the kingdom of God. And you may not even see it. Until you get to heaven. But ultimately as we prepare for this time of invitation. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord. You don't know him as your Savior. You can turn to him right now. And his legacy of giving is that he will give you eternal life right now. He'll give you the forgiveness of sins. But you must ask. You must turn from your ways, turn from sin and self. You must turn to Jesus right now and ask, and he will give, 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 forgive, cover. He died for you. He loves you. But you must receive it as the gift before you can give. Some of you need to receive that gift from Jesus today. Do it. You can pray for it right where you are. And I invite you, when we sing, you just come on down this aisle over here to my right and join me. I want to shake your hand, pray with you if you made a decision today. If you want to come to this altar and just be thankful before the Lord this morning, you can do that while we sing. God, help us to be mindful of the legacy we're leaving. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's worship together. Let's respond. I'm right over here along with some others who would love to talk with you. You come as the Lord leads.